We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the writer and director for Cowboys, Anna Carrigan. I'm pretty sure mom's a witch. Your mom is not a witch. She doesn't understand you yet. You're a tomboy, you don't want to wear dresses anymore. Tomboy's just another type of girl, but I'm not a girl. I'm sorry, I don't follow you. I'm in the wrong body, okay? I'm a boy! Did you hear what I just said about Joe? She said that she is a boy. You messed her up. I think it's best that you stay away. You've got one body, you've got one path, and God's got the game plan. I can't stay here. You really want to go with me? I'll be back. Be ready. Joe? You think our mountains are big here in Montana? Yeah. Wait till you see them in Canada. You just gotta go here, cross the river. I do not understand why you are not out there finding my kid. I'm gonna do everything in my power. We are going to find your child. Are you okay? Am I okay? Look who I'm with. Look where we are. I am beyond okay. Breaking news. An 11-year-old local girl, Josie Johnson, disappeared from her bedroom. We're out, awesome. Now they're coming after us. You understood what we were doing. What was the plan? You were supposed to protect me. Joe's Joe. It's not some lump of clay that you just pound into something. They're gonna bring them both back, right? And it feels like time is moving slow. And it feels like I don't want to go. Joe! Did you just fart? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with Anna Carrigan, the writer and director of the new film Cowboys. Anna, how are you doing today? I am great. I am sitting on my couch and using my dog as an armrest as we speak. I'm I'm good. I feel very cozy. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I, I can imagine that sounds very very cozy, <laughs> which is a good like weird sort of first talking point into this movie because there is so much about this movie that feels very warm and cozy and particularly watching it in the middle of a pandemic where we haven't been able to um, get in touch with our loved ones as much as some of us may like or see at least see them as much as we'd like uh, i think this movie has a lot more meaning during that time because this is a a family that really goes through it 
<laughs> but at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. they really love each other. And I've been thinking a lot about this and seeing the film at, at New Fest. And I'm specifically thinking about what the the genesis of this film was for you was it the the family dynamic was it the child was it the location where where did this come from well i i used to spend uh part of my summers in this part of montana where we shot which is the flathead valley just west of glacier park mm-hmm. and i was so obsessed with this part of montana i grew up in la and like i just had never had that sort of you know out West experience before. Um, so it's always had a very special place in my heart. And during a moment of transition in my life, I was feeling kind of, you know, it was like a little bit of a dark time. And I was feeling nostalgic for those years, those summers I spent in Montana. And so I just sat down on my computer and I started writing this screenplay. And it really just started for me with a father and a son on a horse. And I knew they were running for something. I knew they were outlaws, but I didn't know who they were and what they were running from. And, you know, gradually it sort of like revealed to me through a lot of like circuitous writing (laughs) (laughs) that uh, Troy was like a very charming, well-intentioned dad who was struggling with mental health issues. And then his son, who he's just, you know, like soulmates with is a transgender boy, you know, who is, you know, struggling with acceptance with his mother. Um, And so that's where it really started for me. And, you know, kind of like I got very interested in the background of the family. And I'm not a big fan of villains, you know, like a pure villain. Uh, So like you said, it was really important to me that, you know, I really understood where all these people were coming from. And it was like a family trying their best um, you know, to, to be who they thought they should be. Yeah. There, there are two really memorable scenes in a store with, with Jillian Bell, where I really felt that journey with that character, especially, you know, figuring just when she comes to that realization and towards the end of the movie, it's so, so powerful when she puts all those toys that oh, that her son wanted into the cart and just buys them all. <laughs> That's a real moment. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I haven't told anyone this. I'm just telling you. We actually added that scene after we had started the edit. And I really? realized I hadn't. Yeah. So we shot that. That was the one scene... Well, there's some montage stuff we also shot mm-hmm. in the L.A. area, but we shot that in Koreatown. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, it, we shot it at like a 99 sensor that we redressed. But I realized I was like, oof, you know, her her journey was not complete enough. I need to and I, I wrote those two scenes. Um, but yeah, I it was, you know, it's a big cathartic scene for Sally mm-hmm. that moment. Um, yeah. I'm like, what else did I say about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. You know, and it speaks to, and I guess what was the experience like on set? I mean, you're saying that, you know, realize this sort of 
as you were filming that you needed this extra scene and being the writer and director yeah. i imagine affords you some of those little liberties <laughs> as you go were there any other moments where you were directing a scene and realized uh, this this needs some little editing or tweaking or did you allow the actors to improvise at all or how did that go yeah i mean it is really interesting because there's you know you can imagine what your movie is going to be um but I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not flexible, right? Because mm. it's, it's when you're writing it, it's just you in your mind. And, you know, what I've learned is that amazing actors, amazing, you know, department heads, amazing collaborators can bring something to it that you can't do alone. And so you have to remain open to those possibilities, you know, whether they be design or cinematography or like, oh, you've lost this location. You have to improvise. Sometimes those things end up weirdly being better than like what you had become attached to. Um, but yeah, I, I generally let my, I always try to get it as written, you know, um, but I do a lot of editing in advance. I write to the actors once I cast them. So it's like, you know, I get to know them, I talk to them on the phone, and I try to sort of like tailor the roles to them. And then with, you know, Steve, Jillian, and Anne, we, and also with Sasha, actually, Sasha and I met like five or six times before we shot and would go through the script and he would do journaling exercises to like get into the mind of the character. Um, but we, you know, I would go, the actors would go through the script and then we'd meet and talk about it. And anything that they kind of snagged on, we would like discuss and maybe shift. Just because when you're making a movie at this budget level with these time constraints, I just knew that I did not want to have a long conversation about like my intention or what the character's intentions mm -hmm. were during shooting. You know, we had to like clear up as much of that as possible. But that being said, you know, once, you know, once everyone was clear on what we needed and we got that, if an actor was having an impulse or my DP had an idea, like whenever there's time, I want to try those things, you know, and, you know, no like specific examples are coming to mind, but <laughs> I know there's a ton in there <laughs> and some improvised pieces that, that mm. I definitely use. Yeah. I love that you're talking about that process with the actors, especially because Sasha Knight is so great in this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the US like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. How did you find him? Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, you're saying that you write 
for the actors, but obviously you had this idea for this character right from the beginning. And I imagine finding someone at that age to play this part is very tricky. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, I mean, there was a, I didn't want to admit this to anyone at the time, Mm -hmm. but I definitely had the thought, like, if we don't find the perfect kid, like we might need to wait a year, you know, like it, it feel like he's, so important to the movie he's the heart of the movie and if he you know didn't if the family didn't all fit together and work and like he didn't work tonally like it was just it it would have been such a disaster so I was so lucky to find him and we looked hard for him um I worked you know I, I talked to Glad uh, Nick Adams is the head of transgender media mm-hmm. relations there. And, you know, he looked at the script with me in advance and he helped us with the, you know, getting the word out with casting. But my casting director, Edie Belasco, is amazing. She cast Transparent. So I knew she had experience like, like reaching into like every nook and cranny <laughs> to find, yeah. you know, a specific type of actor. Um, but we, you know, we, we went through the normal channels, all the agencies, uh, the sort of like quote central casting route, if you will. Um, Mm. and then we also hit up grassroots organizations, like, you know, P flag reposted our casting notice, like any organization that like works with the community or their parents. We also hit up summer camp, any place with a theater department, community theaters, like we were really just like trying to get the word out. And I think about like 50 something people ultimately submitted. Mm. Edie narrowed it down to 10 or 12. I watched those. And then I worked with about five of those kids and met their families over Zoom. For the most part, there were like two people I think I met with in LA. And luckily one of those people was Sasha. And when I first watched his, you know, preliminary videos that he made with Edie, I was just like blown away. You know, he first, like, he just had this gravity to him and his eye, like he just, he has like Paul Newman's face. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was like, he's like a little mini Paul Newman. Like so crazy. He just, he just seemed like he was like made for this movie. Um, Obviously it's very self-absorbed. I know people aren't made for my movies, but he was a perfect (laughs) fit. Um, and I was able to work with him and I just connected with him as a kid. And I, you know, he understood the role on an intellectual level. He's lucky that he has a supportive family, but Mm -hmm. you know, he, he understood what it was like to be in a community like that. His family had been in Colorado for a while. And so he had experienced that sort of conservatism firsthand. Um, but yeah, we were so lucky to have him. And he also like looks like just he could be Steve Zahn and Julian Salt Julian Bell's child. <laughs> it was sort of a miraculous uh, you know, kismet. Yeah. And and the chemistry between Steve Zahn and Sasha is off the charts. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean they're obsessed with each other and you know, they started Jillian, Steve and Sasha all started talking in advance of filming and Steve and Sasha came up earlier than the rest of the cast to do like horse training, which honestly they didn't need. They're both great writers. Like Steve lives on a horse ranch in Kentucky. 
and Sasha, Sasha's like a champion rock climber and like just a really physical kid. Wow. So they just, they just got along so well. And, you know, Steve is a parent and, you know, he just really, like, they just really loved each other. And, and Steve really nurtured that relationship with Sasha. That's fantastic to hear. It, it really is. And also not surprising because it comes across so, so well on film. Um, and we, oh, thank you. you know, you're welcome. Um, we have time for one more question, I think, before I have to go. And so I think the note that I want to leave it on is, you know, it's such a good, big-hearted movie, and it sounds like you really took great pains to make sure that this was something that would be embraced by the community. You said you worked with GLAD um, a lot in the process. And what would you say to other writers and filmmakers out there who are writing something outside of their own personal lived experience since this is something that, you know, we see a lot and there are many different ways to go about it. Right. I mean, I would say that, you know, for me, it was so important that I connected to it and that it felt universal. Mm -hmm. So my first pass at it, because essentially, I mean, I just was like, this is a boy, you know what I mean? I, I was just like, this is a boy who is not accepted by his family. Like that's something I can relate to. I think approaching it first from a place of like, how can you relate? Um, I mean, for me, like I wouldn't have written it if I didn't feel some personal connection to the family, you know, and the place. And, but at once you sort of get out your, whatever your connection is, you, I mean, it's just dumb not to talk to as many people as you can. Um, I, I mean, I don't understand the resistance that anyone has towards research. Um, and that can only enrich your story, that can only fill it with more humanity and detail. And, you know, I talked to GLAD, but also, you know, the Montana Film Office, they set me up with these uh, transgender folks that were in Montana. And I talked to them about the experience of coming out in Montana, which is very different than coming out in LA or New York. And one of the people that, that I met there at this dinner that was, that they arranged. um, And also look, Montana is like, well, it's kind of a purple state, but it's really kind of a red state. And so this is a government agency that arranged this. And I was just like, so overcome. They really embraced the project just like as a sidebar. Um, Mm. But they, you know, I, I spoke with this woman who, you know, is a therapist to trans youth in Montana. And so that was amazing and really specific. And she went through the script with me. And then Nick Adams from GLAD also introduced me to, you know, a father and son who, uh, father and trans son who are based in the LA area. And I had a long conversation with them. It's just like, it's, it just, you know, it deepens your connection to the material to hear other people speak of their experiences. And, you know, everyone was so excited and generous and kind to talk to me that it also just excited me more about the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. like to know that it was resonating with people and that I was on the right track was so important to me, you know. 
Well, that's fantastic. And it again, it comes through in the film, all of it. Thanks. So thank you so much, Anna. Thank you for sitting down with us today. Thank you for the film. And best of luck with whatever you're doing next. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Oh, you too. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the writer and director for Cowboys, Anna Kerrigan, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Cowboys is currently streaming in virtual cinemas and available on VOD. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.